You're listening to the Together Church Podcast. Today you're going to hear a message from week three of our sermon series, When Life Gives You Lemons. In today's message, we're going to look at the life of Joseph and answer the question, what do you do when the lemons of life come from other people? We hope you enjoy today's podcast. We're in our last week of our series, When Life Gives You Lemons. So if you have missed any of this series, you can always log on to our website at wearetogether.church, click on the sermon tab, and you can watch every one of the sermons from this series, and you can watch some sermons from previous series that we've had. Before we start today, I just want to start it out with a question. And here's the question, and I want you to really think about this, and I want you to be honest about it. Are you ready for the question? Here it goes. What do you do when you have been wronged? When you have been wronged, do you get even? Do you get bitter? Do you forgive? I mean, here's the thing. There are many times that the lemons in life don't come from some abstract thing called life, but sometimes the lemons can be caused by people that are around us. So where's the lemonade for us who might have been wronged? There's a story in the Bible that teaches us what to do when people throw us lemons. And it's the story of a man named Joseph. Y'all remember this story? He's the guy with the coat of many colors. Joseph was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. Remember, Father Abraham was a great-grandfather. Isaac was his father. And then there's two sons. There's Esau and there's Jacob. And Jacob took the birthright. Does these stories start to, to come around a little bit? You remember them? And Jacob has a son named Joseph. And Joseph was favored by his father, hated by his brothers. And the event that sent his brothers over the edge was when Joseph told his brothers about a dream that he had had one night. And this is important. And I'll tell you in just a few minutes why the dream was. So Joseph begins to tell them that he had a dream. And in this dream, all of his brothers were bowing down to him. Do I even need to tell you the reaction that his brothers got when they found out about this dream of them bowing down and worshiping him? I'm going to tell you because it's super important. You see, when Joseph was just 17 years old, his brothers decided it was time to get rid of their little brother. So they schemed and they came up with a story saying that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. And they went back and told their father. Look at Genesis chapter 37. It says, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and they threw him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. Look at this. Then they sat down to eat. <laughs> in verse 28 of chapter 37, we see that the brothers decided that they were going to try to make a profit off of their brother Joseph. And I guess they had a little bit of compassion. So instead of murdering him, they sold him into slavery and made money off of him. And then they went and told their father, Jacob, they said, hey, dad, Joseph has just been killed by a bunch of wild beasts. They, they lied to their father. So what happens to Joseph? Eventually, Joseph will find himself in Egypt. While he's in Egypt, Joseph finds favor with an officer of the Pharaoh named Potiphar. But not long after he gains his favor with Potiphar, he's going to be falsely accused of rape. And he's going to be imprisoned. And eventually, he's going to be brought to interpret a dream for Pharaoh. Now, after he successfully interprets his dream, remember, it was a dream that got him in trouble with his brothers. But he interprets the dream of Pharaoh and Joseph because of his success, is going to become the second in command in all of Egypt. Now, this dream would literally save Egypt from potentially being wiped out by famine. 
But as you can see, Joseph wasn't just given one lemon. He was given lemon after lemon after lemon. Things would get better for him, and then another bad situation would happen. So through all of these lemons, there is one phrase that stands out with all of Joseph, everything that he's been around. The one phrase that stands out can be found in Genesis 39.2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. The Lord was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. Not only was God with Joseph, but Joseph also remained faithful to God. Even as a slave, he served God faithfully and it showed his master Potiphar. So he's faithful to God in prison. He's interpreting dreams from the cupbearer who would eventually bring him to Pharaoh's court. We see that Joseph matured over the course of these hard years. Remember, he's just 17 years old when he's sold into slavery. And over the course of time, when he had a chance to seek revenge with his brothers, instead, he showed love and mercy to his brothers when they came to Egypt for help. See, his brothers were experiencing a heavy famine that had come into the land of Canaan. It was going to last seven years. This was the dream that he had interpreted for Pharaoh. So his brothers go to Egypt to seek help. They didn't know Joseph was there. They just knew they sold him years ago. So why Egypt... Uh, why it became a dream, why, why Joseph had interpreted this dream for Pharaoh was the fact that Joseph knew in the dream that this famine was going to hit. So his brothers now come. And Joseph set Egypt up to be in a preparation to be prepared. They had the resources to get the country through the seven-year famine. So people like his brothers came to get the help. The brothers have come in hopes of getting some type of relief for the famine. And when they approached Joseph, they didn't even know it was him. Look at this. It says, And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. He says, for the famine has been in this land these two years, and yet there's still another five years in which there's going to be no plowing, there's going to be no harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. This was the moment that he could have gotten his revenge. But instead of getting revenge on his brothers who sold him into slavery, he blesses them. Instead of sending them off to die, he had his brothers bring his entire family to Egypt where they were given land. And their families flourished in size. Side note, this is how the Israelites got into Egypt. And they would eventually grow so big that Pharaoh would put them into slavery. And there's a valuable lesson to be learned here from Joseph. And, and here's the lesson. You, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react. See, when you're handed a pile of lemons, you have to know that God is for you and is with you. If not, the pain that you will go through will so, be so unbearable. But here's the good news for all of us today. Our God transcends all time. There is not a single moment that is outside his care and outside his concern. Life 
for us may be ever changing. But here's the good news. God is not changing. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. In the Psalms, it says that God is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits have been crushed. Our, our pain and our hurt shouldn't drive us into vengeance. Our hurt and our pain should drive us into God. You see, when we decide to pay people back for the wrongs that they've committed against us, we're fighting the wrong enemy. People are not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. Your, your spouse isn't the enemy. Your boss isn't the enemy. Your coworkers are not the enemy. The government is not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. And he will strategically use people for his cause to steal, to kill, and destroy. This is a spiritual battle. And you and I have to learn to forgive and leave vengeance up to God. So how do we forgive? Well, forgiveness doesn't mean that there are no consequences for what others have done. In other words, it doesn't mean people get away with what they've done. Forgiveness means that you forfeit your right to get even and that you're going to let God do what God does. We have to humble ourselves and pray for our enemies, as Jesus said. How do we pray for an enemy? I mean, some of you pray Psalm 3, 7 where, over people where it says that, uh, and y'all know about Psalm 3, 7. It says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek and you break the teeth of the wicked. Psalm 3, 7. Some of y'all pray that. for You pray for broken teeth and cheek slapping to happen, don't you? Well, that might make us feel good. That's not making lemonade out of lemons. And I love what Pastor John Piper writes about praying for our enemies. And he says this, prayer for your enemies is one of the deepest forms of love because it means that you have to really want something good to happen to your enemy. You might do nice things for your enemy without any genuine desire that things go well with them. But prayer for them is in the presence of God who knows your heart. And prayer is interceding with God on their behalf. It may be a prayer for their conversion. It may be for their repentance. It may be that they would be awakened to the sinful nature. It may be that they're awakened to their sinful hearts. It may be that they will be stopped in their downward spiral of sin. Even if that were to take disease or calamity to do those things. But the prayer that Jesus has in mind here is always for their good. He says, pray for your enemies. I believe when Joseph was given the lemons, the lemons of lies being spread about him, lies that were coming from people that he truly cared about, lemons of imprisonment, lemons of slavery, as they weighed down on him, I believe that Joseph bowed his head and prayed to God. I don't believe that he fought back. I believe that he prayed for his brothers. I believe that he prayed for Potiphar. He prayed for Potiphar's wife. And I believe that it was in that prayer time that God began to heal and shape the heart of Joseph. So where's the lemonade from this story of Joseph? Well, we see that Joseph stayed faithful even in the worst of situations. You and I can be faithful to God. And we can be faithful to the life that he calls us to even when lemons are thrown at us. We don't have to become bitter or sour or seek revenge. But showing the forgiveness that he has shown us is the sugar 
that God uses to enable us to bring to the lemons of life. Paul says in Ephesians, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you and forgave me. That's how we make lemonade when the lemons of life are thrown by other people. We have to trust God with the outcomes of these things. Our job is to get on our knees before a holy God and let him shape our hearts, repent where we need to repent, and to be healed in the places that we need to be healed. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know what is going on in your life right now, who you may feel has wronged you or who has hurt you. And maybe you have really good relationships and nobody has, but we live in a flawed world where it's going to happen. And when it happens, remember, we always, as followers of Jesus, pray for our enemies. Pray for them. If you have been wounded deeply today from a relationship, I just want to encourage you right now in this moment, pray for your enemy. Pray good things. Pray for blessing. Pray that God reveal the sinful nature of their heart. Pray for their conversion. Pray for them. What if Jesus really meant what he said when he said pray for your enemies? What would your relationships look like if we really prayed for our enemies? Because that is how we get the sugar into the lemons to make the lemonade. I want to pray for you and just ask God to soften your heart and take away your pride so that you can drop the hurt and the pain and let God begin to work in your heart and deal with the lemons. Father, I thank you so much for each person that is watching and those who are listening. I just pray even right now that they would have the humility to drop to their knees and, and seek repentance for anything that they have done. But God, also that you would give them the words to speak as they pray for enemies, as they pray for the people who have wronged them. As we see in the life of Joseph, his eyes were always on you. And lemon after lemon after lemon, his faithfulness to you stayed. And I pray that that will be us, God, as we're hurt, that we would seek you and not seek vengeance. Vengeance is not ours to give. It is yours to give. So may we surrender our, our wills to allowing you to do the things that you do and that our hearts would be aligned with you and be healed so that we can continue to do the things that you have called us to. And I thank you so much for what you're going to do in the lives of the people and the healings that are going to take place even today and the prayers that will be prayed on behalf of enemies. And we thank you in advance. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Together Church podcast today. For more information on Together Church, or if you want to hear some more sermons, you can always hop over at wearetogether.church. Thanks again for joining.